Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Riffey, my co-conspirator. As always, is Michael Borky. Thanks for stopping by for another edition of the People's Holiday. It is Mailbag Friday. We have your questions. Got a lot to get into today. Uh, so a lot of the mailbag questions were quite predictable given the uh, the topical subject of the week here in Mississippi. So we will get into those, do some tampering and manipulating with the questions. And uh, I want to hit this baseball story again because I feel like we're coming closer and closer to a crossroads. And I listened to a podcast earlier this week with Jeff Passan and Ryan Rosillo. Jeff, I think, is one of the smartest baseball people out there. I just enjoy Rosillo's content in general. They had some stuff that made me just kind of re not reconsider, but they made me think about the whole baseball thing in ways that I hadn't before. And it's really just an absolutely fascinating uh, kind of story and saga going on. So we'll get into that. We'll get into your questions. Uh, but it is basically the weekend. So, man, it is ba- a long weekend too. First long weekend. I don't think so. I've been at Super Talk for six years now. I don't think I have had a long weekend with the rest of the company ever. I Just because not- every long weekend, it's a sports thing. Like, it, so it's Memorial Day weekend this weekend, right? Well, usually. It's selection uh, the day after selection Sunday for the, the baseball tournament or selection Monday. When do they announce it? That doesn't matter. Anyway, have selection not had Monday. this day off. It's Monday. Memorial Day. Memorial Day is when they release the field at 64. Yeah. So um, didn't have that day off. Uh, during college football season, what, what's the other? Is that Labor Day? Um, it's college football yes. season. So I sure as hell don't get that day off. Um, and 4th of July floats like in the middle of the week. And so maybe I would get like that day off on a Wednesday, but otherwise like long weekends for me have never happened. So I don't really know what to do with my hands. Thanksgiving's a no go either. Cause we yep. most of the time have something on Thanksgiving and definitely the day after given, especially considering when the egg bowl has been played. I guess that wouldn't really matter even if we're on Saturday. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I was telling my roommates, I haven't had Memorial day off since 23rd. No, no, no. 14. I started covering baseball in 2015. Yeah, so I, I, my last Memorial Day off, I believe, was 20. No, it was 13. Hell, I, I don't know. I can't count. I think it's 14. <laughs> <laughs> they went to who? They went to Omaha in 2014, right? Yes, they did. Okay, so I haven't had it off since 2015. So yeah, that was my senior forward. year of college, man. That I was I was supposed to get in a. I was supposed to get in a van and go, and I had a, a job interview. Uh, instead and so i stayed behind and did not go to omaha that's and i didn't get the job and that is one thing that i wish i would have decided against i knew i wasn't going to get the job anyway in fact i didn't really want it uh but still when you're a senior in college and you have you know finished all of your coursework and you're just still living in living in oxford and like I, you need a job and i just i could not justify spending basically my last amount of money on a trip to omaha when somebody was trying to interview me for a job but i i knew i didn't want it i knew i probably wasn't going to get it anyway and i still stayed behind to interview for that job and i i regret it to this day 
I didn't go either, and I don't remember why. I was working, I was working maintenance at my high school, so I don't think that job was that important. I don't remember. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I had something come up, or maybe it just didn't work out, or maybe I felt like I needed to earn some money. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I uh, next time they. Uh, I mean, if they go again, hopefully I'll be working it. But yeah, I've never, never been to Omaha, unfortunately. I don't think, unless I'm misremembering. But yeah. So anyway, long weekend. I am off today. I'm actually headed to Texarkana, Texas, the booming metropolis that is, uh, with to hang out with my girlfriend's family for the weekend. So uh, I am off today, and then of course we're off Monday. Uh, programming note i don't know what we'll do about a monday show um I, I don't know about you like if we have labor day or i keep saying labor day memorial day off we may do one tuesday or we may just slide to the wednesday show or skip that one and go to the wednesday show because you know we are in the midst of a pandemic and there's not live sports on so uh we may just <laughs> not have a podcast until wednesday we may give you one wait tuesday. what are you talking about man we've got a nascar race this weekend <laughs> if something if something huge pops and the over match the weekend, what's wrong with you yeah, that is true. We have that. Although I, I, I don't know how I'm going to have be able to finesse my way into watching that. I probably am just not going to. And to be in all honesty, unfortunately, but uh, if something gigantic pops over the weekend, we'll probably hit you with something Tuesday. But probably just going to slide into two shows uh, starting on Wednesday next week. But all that aside, we have a bunch of mailbag questions to get to. We got a couple other topics I'd like to hit as well. So let's see where we start. That's not where we're going to start. There's uh, some crazy some crazy guy that's been tweeting me, Richard. He may have been tweeting you too, but I can definitely tell me, Richard, and Haydad a bunch. He was upset with Haydad's accusations on uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever the hell this was. About, I, don't, I don't even know what Haydad said, but someone, someone is upset. I have uh, not gotten... Those tweets, I've avoided them. I did get a couple of emails, though. Um, um, here, here's the thing, this man. His name and, is Wham, and he has one follower, and he has Saved by Grace in his bio. So, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're typical. So, Actually, he he wasn't being malicious. I shouldn't have said that. That that he was not being nasty. He was just upset. I, that that was that was wrong yeah. of me. I take it back. That's all right. Um, so I I don't know what he said on a podcast or like online or anything, but as far as what Hayden had said on the radio show, I don't disagree with the idea that if a player is hanging out in, in Oxford and then transfers to Ole Miss, uh, who's a Mississippi State player, it, you know, it, it you could probably draw conclusions. I guess what I was trying to say, and I don't know if I did it well or not, in counter to it was that's what you should expect to happen all the time and so i don't know i don't think what he said was incorrect but it's it sh should be expected because that's how it how it works and how it goes in college sports yeah it really is and it's just like and, uh, the first here's an example for you I, I talked to a, a former teammate of mine uh, a former high school teammate played at, at clemson and he started for a little while lost his starting job the next week after he didn't get his starting job back was was getting calls from all over the place. It, it happens forever. And I, in, in talking to him, I just said, Hey, is like, did that happen to all of your teammates? He said, man, all of them. It just, people recruit college football players all the time, especially when you're not playing. And at a place like that, where there's still really good players that don't play, they're getting calls all the time, man. All the time. That's just 
that's what happens. And so, like, if the NCAA snip, sniffing around or, like, if there's coaching turnover, you, you can expect and should expect your players are getting recruited by other schools. Like, that's just – that's how it's going to work. And I referenced A.J. Brown on the show because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that A.J. Brown was contacted by damn near everybody uh, when everything was going on. I, I, there's no doubt. And that got somebody mad. I got an angry email about that. And my response was, Mississippi State, for example, would have been dumb not to reach out to him. They would have been stupid not to reach out to him because that's how the game is played. That's how it works. And if you're not playing the game, you're losing. That's actually the first question we get is, wouldn't this be tampering according to, I'm not going there, but please bleep out the the word above so Borky doesn't get upset. I, I, I didn't get upset. I just muted uh, the, the word tampering on Twitter. Yeah, for- I think he thought that was funny as just screwing with you. But uh. <laughs> obviously we, we because uh, this guy's been DMing me about the show for a while, listens a bunch. I think he was just uh, messing with you there. But it's it's a it's a screenshot of an Errol Thompson tweet to Sam Williams. And Sam Williams said something like, I'm, gonna ball, I'm going to a bowl game this year. And Errol Thompson said, transfer this way and let's do it. And, of course, this has made its way to Egg Bowl Twitter, I guess, and is, is – you know, is this tampering? Is this tampering? I mean, I guess technically, right? Because, you know, certain people have been reading the rule book of tampering, uh, Karen, uh, like it is gospel, but incredibly hard to enforce, right? I mean, uh, yes, is, 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 is having a bunch of state players hang out or state player hang out on Miss Gear at a party at Oxford the same thing as a tweet? Of course not. We're not big dents here. But I mean, if you really want to be a nerd and go by the, le- the letter of the law, and say that, you know, players can tamper and all that crap. Well, I mean, this is technically tampering, is it not? I mean, I don't give a shit. I don't care what Errol Thompson no. needs. He can do what he wants. They're friends, I'm sure. Sam Williams is a great dude. I don't know Errol Thompson. I'm sure he's a great dude, too. I bet they're friends. But if you're going to be that guy and go by the letter of the law and be the well-actually guy who sits in front of the class in first grade and tattletales on everyone, this is technically tampering, is it not? It looks that way to me, but uh, I mean, Mr. Thompson should be suspended for no fewer than eight games. And even if that, I hope they don't let him play this year. And Keith Carter should call Greg Sankey and the subpoena his phone records. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, is that really like people think that you can actually do that? No, well, I don't know what people (laughs) think, but of course you cannot actually do that. And of course I do not think that Errol Thompson should not. I think the tweet's been deleted, and I hate that that blew up. Like, I hope that doesn't blow up for him. I don't think anything's going to come of it. Of course, no, I'm joking. I hope not. This is dumb as hell. They're friends, whatever. But like, even if you're going to be that guy, <laughs> yeah, who gives a shit? Like, it, it's unbelievable. But that's the like, if you're going to be that guy, like, and you're going to read the rule book and just be the gigantic big Karen tattletale nerd. One, congrats! I bet your first grade teacher loved you, and that apple she ate was pretty awesome. But Outside of that, like this is, this is kind of put, proves the point. Like particularly when it's not coaches, again, it's just players and players. This whole tampering thing is nearly impossible to enforce. I think absolutely nothing comes of this. If I had to take his guess, yeah, it, it, I agree there. Um, and it, let's everybody just needs to call it what it is. I I tried to say this on the radio, and I guess I, I failed to do so adequately. But the only reason why this is happening is not because. Mississippi State players were tampered with because I promise you, I promise you, it was not just Ole Miss, if they did, that reached out to Mississippi well, State players when no. there was coaching turnover. Yeah, like, just they, real quick, no 
real quick, if, if, if any of these kids go elsewhere, do you think they were contacted by them, those schools before they hit the transfer portal? Without of a course. Doubt. Yeah, Without exactly. A Continue. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, and look, this may not have happened, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if KJ Costello and Mike Leach talked before he decided to transfer to Mississippi State. Same thing with Tommy Stevens uh, going from Penn State to play with his former coach. Would not be surprised at all if conversations happened because that's just that's just simply how it works. But the point is that this wouldn't be happening if Ole Miss was not involved. There would not be this meltdown of whatever you want to call this uh, if uh, these kids were not considering going to Ole Miss, where their former position coaches now coach, where it's a college within their own state. And when you grow up in the same state, you, you have friends that go play for the other school. Like, like Luke Johnson told us yesterday, John Rice Plumley and um, Jack Abraham were working out this weekend together. That's really cool. I hope they do that more because they, they are friends that play for different college football teams. So you, when you have all of those factors in the same state, probably have friends on the other team, your position coach now coaches at that other school, it, and you want to go down this road of it's egregious and just a culture of corruption or whatever and talk about racism – you look like a loser. No, you don't look like a loser. You are a loser. And that's yeah. what this stupid rivalry between two runs of the SEC that are never going to really win anything of consequence is what makes people act like. For whatever reason, when it involves these two schools, people just act like gigantic man babies. And apparently they don't get tired of being losers. Like, like I, I, the, the lack of self-awareness to look around just nationally, maybe you don't care. I don't know. Maybe they don't care. But like they'll look around nationally and be like, people constantly look at the state and laugh at it, and this is partly why. It's just ast- astounding to me. They look down on us here. And <laughs> what's crazy— so, For all the things that people should look down on Mississippi on, this might be actually one where it's justified because it's a bunch of man babies acting like children. Well, especially when you do the— you're racist. No, you're racist. No, I'm not racist stuff. That's when you really, I mean, that that's the going down into the lowest common denominator of weeds. Because, look, I, I'm not going to tell you that this state was perfect when those kind of things were going on. But if you want to look at, I mean, even the last 10 years that I've been involved in, in with Ole Miss in some way, because I did go to school there. The, the strides that have been made at that school and on that campus in the 10 years that I've been affiliated with it are, are so great. And I'm sure that it, the same thing's happening at Mississippi State. The, the more you scream, that school's racist, no, that school's racist, you bring everybody down and you continue to give everybody else nationally reason to point and laugh at you and look down on you. And if you want to... Be taken seriously from uh, an athletics standpoint and also just from like academic institutions. You can't do shit like this anymore. You, you can't do this anymore. But yet here we are because one player, or well, I guess two players, may transfer from one school to the other. There has been a, a meltdown that has gone all the way up to a national platform about cheating and corruption and, and racism. How does this? This not exhaust people, how, especially when these are people that know how it works. It, they know how it works. I mean, it, 
Because this is like the area in which they thrive and it eases their insecurities about themselves, which is a very sad existence, but probably pretty true. I don't know. I mean, I got an email saying, how can you say that A.J. Brown was contacted when nobody else on your show have ever heard of that before? It's like, I promise you they have. Everybody knows that. But, like, we we go into this instead of – it's not bias – anymore it crosses from bias to dishonesty like i get bias that, that's i i understand that completely but when you go from when you cross that line into being dishonest about situations i've got no patience for that you're, you're going to get bias in in sports media everywhere i mean my god the saints beat nfl team has homers on it they, they just do and that's that, that that's what happens. You have people that grow up in a city, they want to cover the team, and they love the team, and, and they do their jobs the right way, but like the guys at The Athletic, you know they they want the Saints to win games because they, they, they've lived there their whole lives. That's okay. When bias crosses into dishonesty and lies and whatever you can call this, it, it it's I lose patience for it, and it just it makes me want to freaking leave. Agreed. But anyway, I'll tell you who's not dishonest is Greg, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. I'm actually going to go see him after we get done recording this on the way out of town, I believe. I'm uh, going to go pick up some meat. Uh, that way I don't show up empty-handed uh, to the great city of Texarkana. I don't know. Uh, so do you know what sous vide something is? Yeah, it's where you put it in. Um, you have this little machine. It's like, a, have you ever done it, or are you asking rhetorically? No, no, no. I've never done it. I actually, I think I called it souffleing last night, and uh, he was like, "Please don't say that." When you walk in there, you're gonna sound like an asshole. But um, uh, yeah, no, you get like this plastic tub, and you fill it up with water, and the sous vide is like this this long, like it, it looks like a tube kind of, and you stick it in the tub, and it gets the water. Hot, but not too hot, and so it cooks the meat, like especially steak. Like you can get the steak up to like one thirty internal temp. Take it out of the sous vide and just sear it on both sides. You have a perfectly cooked steak. I believe you. I'm, uh, but anyway, point. Uh, long story short, I think that uh, I might be learning about that this weekend. So, uh, but I know no matter how bad I screw it up, it's still going to taste great because it's from LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. It's grilling season. Memorial Day weekend. If you're around Oxford and you want to throw something on the grill, enjoy the beautiful weather outside. I'm saying this without looking at the radar. I think it's going to be decent weather this weekend. But uh, anyway, go check him out. They've got daily specials, all kinds of custom cuts, lane train special, Keith Carter special. I'm walking in there not knowing what to get, but I know I'm going to walk out of there uh, with something tasty, and I'm looking forward to throwing it in. Is what is it, is it like a machine? Is it like a, is the sous vide thing like an air fryer? No, it's um. Well, I've never worked with an air fryer, uh, but no, life changing. Anyway, it's um. No, it's like this tube. Okay, so, 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 but anyway, (laughs) this is the worst. I don't know how to describe it. I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell Greg this movie when I got there. But go check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger is the absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. You can sous vide stuff. You can. Grill stuff. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can throw it in the air fryer. But the best place in Mississippi to get meat, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. All right, we're a whopping one question into this Mailback Friday. We spent about 10 more minutes than uh, we probably should have on, uh, you know, 
the yeah, childishness. Not bad. I've no, got no, to, I, I mean, got, it was both of us. We just got it out, but we're about to get baited into it again with this next question is, which is more infuriating, uh, LeBron versus MJ or Egg Bowl Twitter? Both is the answer. Egg Bowl Twitter is worse. Uh, without a doubt. The, uh, the, the LeBron versus MJ stuff is just kind of funny to poke fun at. This is just awful. Uh, next one is life or death. Jesus, pinholster, go see somebody. Um, I don't even know what that means. I, I, I would choose for now life. Yeah, it depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would, I'd probably go life. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he means li- literal death, some sort of figurative death, but I'm just going to maybe he's talking story. about like this. We're, we're reading far too into three words, I think, but maybe he's talking about like, is this situation life or death? Uh, no, because it's college football. Does Ole Miss now have one of the most balanced rosters in team history? Talking about basketball, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I Balanced is a weird way to describe it. I do think this is one of the deeper and more versatile rosters uh, they've had in recent memory. Again, we got one. Of, I think we got a question about this, or maybe we just talked about it earlier in the week when talking about the Romello White transfer on monday i'm not i don't really remember a whole lot about the late 90s and early 2000s teams the sweet 16 team in 01 or yeah i guess it was 01 but this is definitely has a chance to be one of the deeper and more versatile teams and one of the one of the things the next time we talk to kermit davis that i will definitely ask him about and will be interested in knowing is kind of what he feels like he has from a roster versatility standpoint because his first couple of teams, and last year, was this wasn't as much as the case as the first year, it was pretty rigid. They were going to play who they were going to play, and there wasn't a whole lot of lineup combos they can go with. Last year, it, his first year, it was more rigid just because of personnel. Last year, it had more so to do with guys not panning out, and you really only having six or seven guys you can trust to put in the game for really for any stretch of time at all. But this feels like a team that can run out a lot of different lineups depending on whether they want to play big, whether they want to play small. They are going to have a lot of more matchup versatility in terms of the opponent's lineup as well. And they're going to be able to play in a couple of different ways, and I think you're going to need that in the SEC because one of the ways – like if Ole Miss won a game last year, it was a certain way. Bree and Tyree went off. You got a couple of contributions from someone else. You weren't just a complete abomination on the glass, and you held on for dear life at the end. This year's team is going. I think is going to be able to. If if everyone pans out with the depth that they have, is going to be able to win games in a lot of different ways. And I think that's going to be a testament to them. Actually, end up being a pretty good team. But I don't think he's had that yet since he's been here. So balanced. I don't necessarily know if that's the right adjective, but it's definitely a deep and versatile team. Oh, for sure. They they can throw a lot of different looks at, at people potentially at. If the season gets played, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this because it kind of feels like now, even though there's still some holdover with Schuler, that this is his roster. You know that this is a team that he built on his design, uh, being year three, and so I'm curious to see how it all gels together and actually works because he still had some holdovers uh, last year and some guys maybe he had to recruit just just because he had to put a roster together. But this team feels like more of what you're going to see moving forward. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it works. Sure. As we mentioned, he's, as we mentioned earlier in the week, he, he's 
His offense, it, the offense on his first couple of teams has been mostly generated out of the backcourt, but that's more out of necessity and what he was left with and the pieces he was left with when he took over the job to where he kind of prefers to run it through a semi-athletic four-man that can step out and shoot a little bit that's fairly versatile, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, that range, uh, which is kind of interesting given the way bas- basketball is kind of actually trending in the opposite, not opposite direction, but the, most of basketball is trending towards backcourt and a lot of guard scoring where Kermit's just kind of like, yeah, give me that semi-athletic four-man to watch me cook. And it's not a right or wrong thing. He's, he's really good at it. But that's what you're kind of starting to see here. The K.J. Buffins, Blake Henson to some degree, definitely Romello White. Uh, Hadim C is really more of a center, but not exactly like you're back to the basket, like, type Dom center, but those type of guys. And so you're starting to see Kermit get more and more of those guys into his program. Robert Allen doesn't sound like particularly with the NCAA announcement this week, he's going to be eligible this year, but guys like that, you've got Sean Robinson who redshirted last year as well. He's got more and more guys like that. This team is going to look more like uh, the teams he had at middle uh, than the, than the lat than the first two he's had. And that's, uh, that's going to be interesting. Like in in terms, you know, he's made comments in the past two years about how this team doesn't really fit his image, particularly last year's team, because in a lot of ways they were just kind of soft. This year, I don't think you're going to get those kind of comments. If this team fails, it won't be because it's it's not you know the way he envisions it, or the team does not meet uh, fit his DNA and all of that kind of coach speak type stuff. I don't think you're going to get that excuse if they fail because this team seems to be kind of more tailored to his personality and his coaching style. So I don't know. Is there any pressure on him in year three? Any pressure at all? I mean, no. If you get to the NCAA tournament in year one, it'll miss that buys you some capital. Uh, You know, in terms of just momentum as a program, you don't want to have a year like you had last year. But like as far as pressure and not getting extended, I mean, no. I mean, the the guy who was very much involved in hiring him and basically hired him is now his athletic director and wasn't at the time when he got hired. Uh, and and again, he's even if they suck this year, he would be two years removed from an NCAA tournament. But I don't think at this school that that would be at all. But obviously, you would lose some momentum as a program if you stunk again. Yeah, agreed. The schedule. I mean, we haven't gotten the full thing yet, but um, the non-conference schedule is pretty good. Yeah, they've uh, they've scheduled some games. That the game, the announcement earlier this week that they have another game against Memphis. I think that game should always be played. I know people hate it because it usually has some kind of contingency with football. But Ole Miss Memphis hoops. That was a fun game last year at FedEx Forum. That was a really good college basketball game. Like that to me, that that game being played every year, and I think Kermit feels that way. He said it a couple of times is important to him, and it was a fun game last year. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that day of work. Uh, immensely so yeah they've got some good games on the schedule it'll be interesting to see what it looks like when the full slate comes so far what's been announced that they're going to the cayman islands where they could potentially play kansas state or miami or oregon state or western kentucky um so yeah that's pretty good list that they could run into they've got memphis they also have dayton and wichita state on the schedule so the wichita that's interesting is which so uh, what, what, what does the Wichita State game have a date on it? January second, this says, but uh, the Dayton game is to be announced. Um, so that's interesting. Wichita State, they played them pretty much 
around the exact same time last year, and it was part of the SEC American Challenge. That's and what this pl- says underneath it. It says American slash SEC Alliance. Yeah, so they, it's kind of like the, the SEC Big 12 Challenge and all that. Uh, I mean, it is, it is the same thing. It's just played at a different time. But it's interesting to see that they have not uh, – the opponents – like Ole Miss didn't draw a different opponent. They draw the exact same opponent. Uh, where are you getting their schedule next year? I don't even. This is uh, so. This is all from Wikipedia, but okay. So they played. They played Wichita State at, on January fourth last year. So same deal. It's just interesting they drew the same opponent. But yeah, they've got a uh, interesting slate of games. Let's see what else we have on the docket. If I can ever get this damn thing to load. Do you have the questions pulled up? Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, what's the ultimate break? Your ultimate breakfast combination? I'm not a huge like breakfast guy. I like breakfast food. I just don't eat it that often because I don't get that hungry in the mornings. But uh, big biscuits guy, like if you give me that and some jam, is pretty solid. Uh, and then if I would say, I would say if I had a preferred one, I just get a wa- waffle. And hash browns covered with some bacon at Waffle House is probably my go-to. And some coffee. Uh, I like pancakes, but I can't eat a bunch of them because they make like they're too rich and they make my stomach uh, uncomfortable. After like I can't get through an entire stack of pancakes. Anyone who can eat an entire stack of pancakes, uh, uh, hats off to you. I think that should be considered a sport. I just can't get through them. Too rich, too much syrup. I like pancakes. Same thing with donuts. Can eat one or two, but then after that, just stomach's getting weird. So. That's probably my ideal breakfast. Steak and eggs for me. Should syrup be stored in a cabinet or refrigerator after opening? Steak for breakfast. Dude, you've never had steak and eggs? American male response. I don't think I've ever actually had steak and eggs. Is that shocking? A little bit, man. You get get like like a poached egg or a sunny side up egg, put it right on top of a steak, and when you cut into it, it gets that yellow shit everywhere. Yes, that is the, the best breakfast you can have. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I uh, I'll have to try that out. Uh, never had steak for breakfast. I mean, I know steak and eggs is a popular dish. Like I, I just <laughs> I've never had it. Let's see. Should syrup be stored in a cabinet or refrigerator? I responded this last night and said there should be an entire segment on this. What's supposed to be in the fridge and what is not? Uh. So, do you refrigerate syrup? I put it in the fridge, yeah. I do. And I like putting... This is going to sound so bad. I like putting cold syrup on top of hot pancakes or waffles. I don't know why. I know I that's mean, that weird. sounds good to me. I think it's really good. And I under... Like, there are people that want... you put ketchup in the fridge? Yeah. Okay. So do I. But some people don't, right? Some people don't. Uh, I put barbecue sauce in the fridge. There's not much I don't put in the fridge, honestly. So condiments-wise, you're pretty much putting all this stuff in the fridge? Yeah, and maybe everything. Yeah. See, I don't don't even know if it's true or not. I just figured if you keep it in the fridge, it'll last longer. Yeah, I mean, I can get behind that line of thinking. I had some – I've actually been eating – I've been making myself eat breakfast lately, so I got these, like – these classic, like, j- just crappy Jimmy Dean microwavable biscuits that I'll throw some jam on. And I had one of the uh, the cans go bad on me because I guess it wasn't pro- – or jars because it wasn't properly sealed. But then I looked it up, and it'll last long in the fridge. So I put jelly and jam in the fridge now. See, I wouldn't want those not in the fridge. 
Well, it wasn't like a preference type of thing. I just left it. I just didn't know. I didn't know the proper protocol on that. So I just left it in the pantry as opposed to the fridge. And it went bad quicker. So apparently the fridge is better for everything. But yeah, I mean, it tastes fine in the fridge now, too. Like, not opposed to it. I just, it was an ignorance type of thing. Hmm. Uh, is there anything else questionable? I feel like I, I had all these ideas last night that I didn't write down when I read this question. Um, there's not, I'm telling you, man, I put everything in the fridge, so I don't know. There's there's nothing that, like, after I open it, yeah, uh, Okay, there's nothing like condiment-wise that after I open it, I don't put it in the fridge. Yeah, so if anyone's out there listening and does not put any of these items in the fridge, please reach out and explain why. I'm not chastising you. I just want to know. I would like to know both sides of this argument. Honey, I don't put honey in the fridge. Oh, I think I would. I don't put honey in the fridge. Uh, peanut butter, I guess, if that counts. I don't put that in the fridge. No, not refrigerating peanut butter. Uh, well, that's probably good, though. Yeah, I mean, it might be. Uh, Just get a spoonful of cold peanut butter? Yeah, I think that's about all. I think we all covered it. Yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm in the same boat. I pretty much put everything in the fridge, but I get that not all of them have to. Like, ketchup doesn't have to be in the fridge, right? I don't think so. I mean, you see restaurants just leaving it in those things for however long it lasts. Yeah, I'm a big sriracha ketchup guy. I don't even use regular ketchup anymore. And, like, I have a bottle with me. Not with me. I'm, like, I'm borderline uh, that redneck guy that has hot sauce in his back pocket. Like, it's some kind of pocket knife. Like, it just goes with him wherever. But, uh, like, honestly, I'm not opposed to taking my bottle of sriracha ketchup somewhere if I know I'm going to be, like, cooking out or eating. So, I'm not at the hot sauce guy level yet, but I'm approaching it. I pretty much put that on anything. Hmm. Same here. I really like sriracha. Um, sriracha's good. You have to have different hot sauces for different types of foods. Like There are people that are just loyal to one, and I think you're crazy. You've got to get, like, what, what is it, Cholula or something like that. Not, not the alcohol. Um, There's alcoholic hot sauce? It's No, not the alcohol. It's C-H-O-L-U-L-A, Cholula. Uh, you got to get that for, for any kind of uh, Mexican food. Um, I, I use Frank's Red Hot just like as just like a basic like flavor type hot sauce. Um, I'm a big um, Louisiana hot sauce guy for like seafood. It, you got to get different ones for different things. There's no blanket hot sauce. Okay. Sriracha ketchup. Try it. It's, uh, it's life changing. Uh, don't get the Whataburger ketchup, spicy ketchup, because the Whataburger spicy ketchup in the bottle does not taste like the one they have in the in the store. Just trust me on that. Get the sriracha ketchup. Pretty solid. But, uh, yeah, so that's what's inside my fridge. Tune in next week to see what's in my pantry. Let's see. Lane Kiffin versus Mike Leach. Who is better at what? Hula hooping? Game of Yahtzee and Guitar Hero. Um, I'm going Kiffin on hula hooping because I feel like he'd have more endurance than Leech. Um, I feel like Mike Leach could rip Guitar Hero. I'm going to go Leech on hula hooping because he would have something he learned at some remote island when he spent was off just off the grid for a while. 
where one of the locals taught him how to hula hoop better than anyone else. I'm going to go Kiffin on a game of Yahtzee because it seems like his attention span would be longer in a board game, and he would probably just outlast Leech on this. And then Guitar Hero is the coin flip tiebreaker. I have no idea who would win in Guitar Hero. Uh, I, I can tell you who would get more into it and smash the guitar at the end, whether he won or lost. I think it'd probably be uh, Leech. But uh, as far as who wins in Guitar Hero, that's going to be the tiebreaker for me. I can't give you an answer. Dude, Leech strikes me as that guy, that, that old creepy man that walks into like an arcade and just pulls up Guitar Hero and starts like doing, what is it, through the fire and the flames on expert mode and just starts ripping Guitar Hero just out of nowhere. Yeah, Leech doesn't strike me as a Guitar Hero guy. So I'm going to, uh, excuse me, Kiffin uh, does not strike me as a Guitar Hero guy. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give him the nod in the board game. Leech the nod in hula hooping, and then I'm just going to leave it for the people to decide on the uh, on the uh, Guitar Hero. I don't know who would win a Guitar Hero. I think it would be Leech, so I think Leech would take the two out of three series here. But uh, if Kiffin just all of a sudden shredded, just like very quietly and stoically, that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah, fair enough. Let's see, we got a couple more of these. Uh, hold on. Who would win in a game of Madden? Uh, I think this is Matt. Wait. Is this me or you or is this Leech and Kiffin? I can't tell this is a response to. Uh, I have both. not uh, played Madden in a decade. No, more than a decade. So, I'm not me. Kiffin on Madden because I think Leech would try to run the air raid and I don't think that's translating well to the NFL. As far as Madden... I was actually, not to toot my own horn, pretty good at the college game when it was out there. Like, I was I got really into it and was pretty good at it. But I sucked at Madden, and I'm like you. I haven't played Madden in a very long time. So, I don't know. We would tie. Zero, zero tie. I don't know. I stink at Madden. So, I guess it was whoever sucks less. So, uh, sure. Let's see. Do you think we will play with fans in any sport during the 2020-2021 academic year? Yes, but maybe not at full capacity is my short answer. Yeah, maybe not at full capacity. Uh, they've still got a really long time to figure it out. It's, I mean, we're still over 100 days away from the opening weekend of college football season. Um, I'm not going to speak in definitives because nobody really knows. Um, I did see your, your former co-conspirator last night uh, say that it's, it, it's not rooted in reality to say that there will be 100 days percent fan attendance um here let me pull it up just so i don't uh, misquote him but um i tend to agree there well, i think i think that timing for that idea but, you got a, but you got news about a fall vaccine last night let's see he said uh oh he um put it in quotes he said there will be full stadiums and college football will kick off on time and it's michael scott uh rubbing his eyes like Somebody just said something stupid. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, are you taking a fall vaccine if it comes out? I'm not. Now, and I'm not anti-vax guy. I would just like to see people that uh, maybe need it more than I would take it first and make sure that it doesn't have a chronic effect. But that's just me. I don't really have a nuanced stance on vaccine because I got the flu once when I was, like, 13, and I haven't really been sick since then. So no, I'm like, no vaccine. My kid's getting vaccinated. So I, I'm not anti-vaxxer. I'm just – I would – since it happens so quickly, I would I would wait and let like the more vulnerable people take it before I would get in line and do it myself. This may be a problematic question, but do people like me need to take the vaccine? 
Like um, I get the college athletes do, but like if this thing's not going to affect me that bad, I guess I can spread it. But based like, on data, Rippy, no, probably not. Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to it. I don't really have that many I get the thoughts the on vaccinations. For it would be so you don't spread it elsewhere. I guess uh, that that would be why you should, even though the, the virus itself is not going to affect you. Is like if you can't get it, then I don't know. I just okay. We've got so, a really long time before the season begins. And no, I I guess I was being a little hyperbolic when I said these schools don't have to make a decision until like game week if they're going to let 100% fans in the stands. That's a little soon, but you can make a call two weeks out before the first game and decide, hey, we're, we're letting everybody in because this happened. And there's no way that in just a couple of months, like you said, we already got a vaccine announcement. There's no way that what we know today and what we are are using to like solve this today is going to be the exact same 100 days from now. I mean, so much can happen between now and then. Bad, of course, and good. So I, I don't think that anybody should be making decisions right now one way or the other. I saw uh, the athletic director at Ohio State said they're working on uh, plans that would involve them having uh, full stadium, obviously, uh, 50% capacity and only letting like 20,000 people in. Like they're preparing for it all. And that's the smartest way to go about it is to not rule anything out yet because ruling something out right now is more stupid than assuming that we're going to play football on time with full fans in the stands. It's, um, it's all equally as likely it feels like. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree, but is two weeks enough time to figure out uh, don't, probably like, it, it, like the whole ticket refund thing. Like, but the reason I ask that is, when do you have to draw the line? Like, I I don't know. I mean, well, the I guess if you have a policy like in place, uh, like if if you're selling season tickets and you say, hey, we can only get twenty percent capacity, and you don't fit into that threshold, here's your money back. I mean, I guess that's how you would have to do it. Is just simply warn them ahead of time. Like right now, when you're selling season tickets, say it's possible that you can't use these this year. It's possible that we can only have 20% capacity and we will give that to the highest 20% of priority points for season ticket holders and then students. Like it's possible that happens. So when you buy these tickets, we're going to we're going to give you your priority points as if you were able to go to these games, but if you can't, your money will be refunded in full. Like let them know ahead of time so you can delay it as long as possible. And let's just use two weeks as a number. So on two weeks before game day, you decide, look, we can't do 100% capacity. Refund them their money. So they, they knew that was coming ahead of time. Like when they buy the tickets, let them know it's possible you can't use these. And if we know for sure that you can't, we will offer you a refund. Yeah, I don't hate that. That definitely makes sense. I just uh, I just wonder like how, how long logistically – that would take even if like you have a policy in place like That's how much time would you need to sort that out maybe you don't maybe you can just I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be done immediately so yeah i don't know i think you have fans in the stands i don't know if it's at full capacity immediately though by it call me naive here but by college baseball season next year do you think there'll be normal capacity i would lean yes given the way that we're close to some vaccines maybe that's being naive but this time in 2021 are you at a regional with full capacity I'll be the optimist. I'll say, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. I, I would I would not be surprised at all if college baseball is played as normal next year. I mean, like you said, we got news yesterday that a vaccine the vaccine is going to be ready by fall. 
And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work, but they're not the only people working on one. They're not, I mean, they're not the only people working on one. There's, I think, it, it takes. Yeah, so how does that months. work? Can you take multiple vaccines? Can, can you just go through the whole vaccine buffet and be like, shoot me up with whatever? Or do you have I, to choose I one? I doubt that. Um, but the thing is, the FDA, if I understand it correctly, will not approve multiple different vaccines for the same thing. Like, if there are a lot of options, they will test and make sure that they're distributing the best one. I, maybe I'm wrong about that. I just, there, there's not going to be a menu of vaccine options. I know that. That's fair. Instead of testing these on rats, I will offer up, I mean, I'll volunteer. If they want to shoot me with like seven or eight of them, uh, I'll try it out. Because that's how people get superpowers anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so from the BBC, the children and adults are now included in the second phase of that Oxford University uh, uh, vaccine trial. Um, yeah, I'm going to get shot with like four of them and become way more badass than Spider-Man ever was. This is crazy, man. 10,200 people now are being included in this study. Um, they, they did the, the trial of the vaccine on monkeys, and it gave them uh, some protection against the virus. Animals had less of the virus in their lungs and airwaves, but it is not certain, of course, that this will translate to people, but they're about to find that out. Um, is PETA on the case here yet? I feel like they should be very anti-vaccine on animals thing. The scientists believe they uh, are aiming to have at least a million doses of this vaccine by September. Okay. So... So what have they been trying it on? Is it rats or monkeys? Monkeys. and But now they've, they've escalated to people. Okay. So that seems like a positive step in the right direction. Let's see. I think that was all the mailbag questions. No, we had one more um, that I believe earlier in the week from I got via DM. Let's see. Oh, he sent the... Uh, the uh, the video of Mr. As Crack's graduation, and how long after he finished the name do you think he realized before? Do you think it took before he realized that he'd been bamboozled? This is in this is a question regarding Tate Reeves uh, congratulating Harry As Crack on uh, graduating. I'm gonna say immediately because it looked like as he was uttering the final syllables of the name that he was like, "Oh crap, I've 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 been duped." Oh, he knew right away. <laughs> That's what makes it so funny, is he knew right away what he just did. Yeah, and he made good fun of it. He turned it into a funny PR moment. Good for Tate Reeves. Uh, <laughs> if there's one thing that can unite this country in uh, these trying times, it is some classic sixth-grade potty humor. So <laughs> good on that. Good on whoever that was for uh, uniting this entire nation behind Harry, uh, Tate Reeves. Uh, giving or congratulating Harry as crack on his diploma. So, <laughs> uh, the video still gets it. It made Jimmy Kimmel. I saw like it, it was everywhere. I mean, once it hit it, it hit Rex Chapman, it blew up uh, pretty pretty huge. So I think that was all the mailbag. Isn't questions. it you that's kind of getting out on Rex Chapman? No, no, no. I don't think I'm. I'm not out on Rex Chapman. I don't. No, I don't think I've had that take. I was exp I actually was explaining. So my roommates follow Rex Chapman. Like they're on Twitter. They're not on it as much as like people like us that work in media are. But they like Rex Chapman. And I was like, you know, Rex Chapman played the NBA for eleven years. And they were like, what? I was like, yeah, he's an <laughs> he's a former NBA guard. And then I started explaining to him like the backstory of like his. 
uh, you know, opioid addiction and him overcoming that and it basically just wrecking his whole life. And I was like, yeah, there's actually a pretty solid backstory here. Um, so, no, I like Rex Chapman. I'm not out on him. Uh, if I take a guess, it's probably Richard. Uh, I think, yeah, it might be Richard or just maybe a friend of mine and I'm getting everybody mixed up. Uh, I certainly wouldn't put Richard in that category, but somebody's no, out I'm... on him because like he tweeted the, the Tate Reeves thing three days later. This is why it makes whoever it is mad because he tweeted it like three days later and said the Mississippi governor just did this and it's somebody else's video. It's like, well, Rex, no, he didn't just do it. He did it three days ago. Yeah, but then that his whole brand, like no, That's his whole no brand. one. Yeah, I was about to say, if you're if you're looking at Rex Chapman videos and you think it's original content that he tracked down and 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 you know did himself, that's a you problem. Like that you're just ignorant of the situation. Uh, I will say though, I could see how people are getting out on Rex Chapman because he has gotten a little more political lately with this whole COVID thing. And so, like when you have a good thing going and then you start splashing your personal politics into it, that does turn some people off. I've just noticed that a little bit. I'm not out on Rex Chapman, but if Whatever your friend might be the take that he's out, uh, that, uh, that might be locked. Because Chapman seems to be a little left-leaning. Not that I care one way or another. It doesn't bug me. But, like, I have noticed that lately. So if someone's early on the rec- out on Rex Chapman take or cancel Rex Chapman take, uh, that, that might be why. But, yeah, no, maybe, I'm yeah. not out on Rex Chapman. I think the content's funny. Uh, I didn't know the blocker charge is now a TV show or, like, an online show. Did you know that? I had no idea. Yeah, he has a show. He, uh, it's now a show. Um, Ryan McGee did a pretty good like E60 SC feature type thing on Chapman. That was oh, nice. interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't know that was a TV show. But no, I'm not out on Rex Chapman. The huh. last thing we need to, uh, I wanted to get to today before we got out of here, I think. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, I had a couple housekeeping notes that I actually wrote on. I'm actually taking notes for the podcast now. Uh, the NCAA, since the last time we talked, has uh, has vol- has approved voluntary workouts for football, men's basketball, women's basketball to start June one, which basically means they can get all these kids back to campus and start doing workouts with them June one. I don't think for football, on field coaches can't be present. There's going to be all kinds of restrictions, I'm sure, and guidelines. But uh, I think the fact that we're just getting kids back on campus as early as June first is a huge step forward in terms because you remember when all this crap started. We just like it was all like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to have football in the fall. I don't know when you can get these kids back on campus. Actually, seeing this come to fruition and having these kids back on campus by June first to be working out is huge in terms of football season starting on time or relatively close to on time. This to me is like this to me the the any conversation of well they're just going to play football in the spring. This should probably put that to rest. No. Uh, that's not happening. There's no way. They, they will not play football in the spring. They, they, they are going to play. That idea never held water on the back end. No one can ever give me a good explanation about the 2021 season with that idea. No, and that's why it was dead in the water immediately. You, you are not playing two full football seasons in 10 months. You, you're not doing it. Because that would be just as bad as if everything was still on lockdown and, and you asked the kids to come back and play football that optically that would have been just as bad but man i still think that they should consider starting the season later and letting the nfl figure it out first and i i know that it's not it's not like it really matters but if something goes wrong in college football 
they are far more likely to have to shut everything down as opposed to the NFL because you do have the 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 conversation and the question of are these amateurs or are these professionals because if if an outbreak happens in the NFL they can just bench those guys and keep going and aside from some twitter outrage nobody's going to care there's not going to be an optics issue because they're professionals and they have to keep doing their job there are people that work at grocery i know it's different but there are people that work at grocery stores for example that had a coworker test positive, and guess what? They still have to go to work every day. The NFL can do that because it is their job. They are professionals. If a handful of college football players test positive on multiple teams, that may be viewed differently. And so why not let the NFL go first? Let them give you a blueprint. And if something goes wrong, they are better equipped to deal with it than you. Because if something goes wrong in college football, I think they're screwed. And so I, I would consider pushing the season back just a few weeks. Just move the start of the season back a few weeks and let the NFL go first. I would consider it just because they don't have anything to lose by having a, an issue. Because they can press on. College football has everything to lose if they're, if something goes wrong. I don't disagree, but there I think you're just kind of balancing the value of having a uh, blueprint in terms of your sport played at another level yeah. and how that works versus um, versus having to you're having kind of a not nightmare maybe a little strong but a scheduling issue on your hands and messing up the bowl season and all of that like you're basically basically conceding that your sport will not go on as scheduled and you're gonna have to move some stuff around. I'm not saying that can't work. But like, which one is more valuable? That's going to be something they have to decide if they weigh that option uh, significantly. But it is definitely something you should think about. I, they should think about. Uh, but look, if they get all these kids on campus and there's no major problems and like you don't have a bunch of outbreaks, or hell, even uh, even if there is like if there is a couple kids, out a couple different kids that get one and they're quarantined and they come back and everything goes smoothly, then start it on time. But like, obviously, you're not out of the woods yet. It's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they keep these kids safe. What happens when someone on a Ohio State's campus or Ole Miss or State or whatever any college campus on the football team gets uh, uh, is infected? Because I mean, it's naive to think there aren't going to be any infections. How that's handled uh, is going to be fascinating. Whether it's handled smoothly or it becomes a massive problem and it's handled terribly, because you know efficiency is not always the uh, name of the game in college football. So how now that's handled is going to be fascinating to watch. But uh, just having these kids back on camp, I mean, Mike Gundy got absolutely obliterated by you know some uh, you know almighty self righteous media, and I, I get that's not completely fair because he did make it sound like we he need to get really some money. He said really stupid things, but yes. But the idea of getting kids back June 1st, he got crushed for that as well. And that may have just been a byproduct for the other dumb things he said about, you know, we need to get money going through the state again when, you know, his players don't get paid. That whole thing, not great. But he did get kind of crushed for saying they wanted to have kids back by June 1st. And uh, and guess what happened on June 1st? These kids are coming back. So congrats to the mullet on being partially right. Yeah, he kind of nailed it. <laughs> In a way, um, but I think he said a few things that a lot of people would never dare say, but they were thinking. I mean, that's the biggest point, right? Is that a lot of people understand? Yeah, he's college that, football's Blake Snell. 
he didn't articulate it well, but he said what a lot of people were thinking. Yeah. On that note, you said you listened to a uh, a podcast recently, and you might uh, have a different different thoughts. May have different thoughts. Yeah. So just the last thing I wanted to get to today was just the this baseball thing. More and more, I like read about it and listen to stuff is absolutely fascinating to me. Just the saga that's going on here. What's at stake versus what they have to lose. I mean, you talk about a high risk, high reward. Uh, scenario for a sport that hasn't been really net nationally relevant in a long time. It, this is fascinating to me. And it's just, are they going to come back or are they going to let money squander what could be an absolutely just golden opportunity uh, to be the first sport back? Because I do think there's a ton of value in being the first sport coming back. Can you imagine if baseball was on your television every night from July until football season when you had nothing else to watch and you haven't had live sports by that point in three and a half months. Like, I'm not saying that's going to, like, like that, like ba- that, that's going to solve everything with baseball and it's just going to be a game changer for them. But I do think you're going to pick up fans. I do think people that don't otherwise watch baseball, if they watch an 82-game season, like, to, just the way I was thinking about it was we've had MMA on the last couple of weeks in UFC and I'm by no means a UFC expert or UFC guy, but since it's been the only sport on uh, the last couple of weeks, really aside from golf, I've kind of picked up on the nuances and stuff like that. And I'm not an MMA or UFC expert by any stretch of the word, but I've appreciated the sport more because I understand it and I made more of an effort to kind of understand it. And I like it more And for as much crap as baseball gets about being slow and being boring, I do think there's a faction of people out there that don't like baseball or just kind of indifferent on it that would watch. And the more and more you watch, because there's nothing else on, you would pick up on the intricacies of the sport and you could kind of sit there. And and it's like anything else, like the more playoff hockey you watch, you're kind of like, okay, this is pretty cool. I like it. And pick up on it and become casual fans of the sport or hell, maybe even adopt a team and watch it. Like I'm not that like, is someone that watches an 82 game season during a pandemic going to pick a team and watch all 162 the next year? Probably not. But it's an opportunity to gain fans. It's an opportunity to unite the country. It's an opportunity to you know give I say unite the country, give people hope if nothing else. And it's an opportunity to just kind of showcase your sport when there's nothing else on. And you know they have that opportunity every year, kind of. But you still have you know basketball free agency football training camp that type of stuff they're the only show in town and if they squander it because of money it's going to be to like i was listening to jeff passon and ryan russell on a podcast passon thinks it's going to be worse than the 1994 strike like they're they're just going to lose a faction of fans and maybe never i'd never recover is strong but never be the same and i just think what's at stake what they uh what they have at stake what they could accomplish by playing if they let money squander it, the consequences are just going to be awful. I agree with that. And I come at it from um, a position of a very casual, if if not even less than that, uh, Major League Baseball fan. I'll watch it. I, I don't have a team. I've tried to get a team, and I just, I just don't get into it that much. Uh, they would... I don't know if I matter or not to them, my demographic of fan, but they would lose me, I think, if they can't get a deal done here. And, <clears throat> excuse me, what they could have done, if they if they do get a deal done, what they could do for me and my baseball fandom is huge. I would watch so much more if they came back here relatively soon and played through the summer than I ever would have in my life combined. 
I mean, I would have a Major League Baseball game on probably every day if they came back this summer. And, and who knows what that can translate to. I mean, maybe I'd uh, adopt a team and become a consistent fan and buy some merch and then make it a point to go to some games in the future, you know? And I'm not unique in that. NASCAR had its biggest rating ever last weekend, at least in the, in the last few years. Had a massive number. Like a 40% increase from their last race before the shutdown happened. NASCAR, by racing, is gaining popularity, notoriety, respect, and maybe some fans along the way. Like you mentioned with UFC, you have a greater respect for UFC because it's been on during a time when nothing else is. That would happen to me and a lot of people like me if they can find a way to put their product on the field. But if they don't, you might lose me, not forever or anything like that, because I do work in media, so I have to consume it, but you would lose people like me forever if it's a wage dispute that stops you from getting back on the field. That's yeah, a real thing. And, and it's interesting. One of the, the, the things that Passon pointed out that I, I learned that I didn't know previously, that on the agreement that they, they, they signed or finalized whatever on March 26, which is 15 days after the Rudy Gobert thing and the world began to shut down. So roughly 14, 15-ish days about them taking a prorated salary based on games. Apparently there was language in that agreement that I didn't know this, that should they come back without fans in the stands, which I'll get to this in a second, but it's it the anyway, I'll finish this thought. I, I'm I'm intersecting two thoughts here. If they're if they should come back without fans in the stands, there should be good faith discussions about kind of negotiating further or figuring out another plan because that would change things is basically I don't know the exact language, but basically the owners kind of snuck a stipulation in there or it was agreed to that uh that if they come back without fans in the stands, like then we could kind of uh, talk again and reconsider this. Now that I'm not, I've been more pro player on this, but that kind of makes me like empathize a little bit more with the owners. But with that being said, to me, this is what comes down to is like what were what were the two sides thinking on March 26, and what was their understanding? Because us as a radio show, I don't really remember where we were on March 26, but I feel like we had a pretty good idea. Uh, that sports weren't coming back for a while, and we probably had a pretty good inkling that maybe if they did, they were not coming back with fans in the stands. But that being said, the next week, like the week after it happened, not like so March 20th or whatever, when the NCAA uh, basketball and baseball tournaments got canceled, we 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 saw it, particularly from the baseball tournament perspective, we were all kind of like, why are you canceling something in June? That seems like a knee-jerk reaction, which did not turn out to be a knee-jerk reaction at all. There's no possible way they could have played a college baseball season or, an NC, or a college baseball tournament. So, like, I'm just struggling to figure out what, what we knew. Like, I'm struggling to remember what we knew on March 26 when this agreement was done and the days before when they were negotiating it. And what the outlook was, because just the sheer fact that the language said if they come back with no fans in the stands at that point, and the fact that that was even in question then makes me think back and maybe we didn't know this was going to be as bad as it was even on March 26th. I'm just having trouble like like time framing or, or getting in the frame of mind of what I thought about this pandemic and what I thought about this virus and what the owners and the players thought about this virus on March 26th when this deal was agreed to, if that makes any sense. I just don't yeah. know. I don't remember either. I imagine it was very different than what we're thinking right now, though. Yeah, exactly. But how different? Because that's kind of key here. 
How different? How much did you know? Like, how much did we think fans were coming? Like, did we think we were coming back in July? Did, well, I probably thought that. Did you think fans were coming back in the stands? And I don't remember. I really don't. And so it's like the, the players kind of low-key, like, fleece the owners on this agreement. But then they snuck this language in there. I don't know. It's just a complicated deal. And I just I just wonder who, like, like should the players stick by that agreement because they got the better of them then? Or should they issue, like, kind, of, kind of engage in good faith negotiations because of that, you know, language in that agreement and because circumstances have changed so much? I don't know what the right answer is. I don't either. Um, but I mean, what is that language? You know, just have good faith discussions. Uh, who's to say they're not having good faith discussions right now? You know, I mean, who they, they very well could be. Uh, what Blake Snell did. I'm sorry, my dog just knocked over my curtains in in my office. Um, I'm sure you heard that. But who's to say that they're not having those right now? You know, just because Blake Snell is the only idiot that's that's talking publicly like this maybe they are actually trying to discuss with the owners i mean who's to say they're not but it doesn't feel good faithy because and i and that's not and the owner side isn't faith. good faith either by no, the way no they're trying to they're trying to use this pandemic to institute kind of long-term change in baseball and kind of maybe go for a salary cap type of concept which just the players are not budging on the 50 50 revenue split is just not happening they're not doing it they will sit out there will be no season that's just not happening there's going to have to be some give and take like what the owners are proposing with that 50 50 revenue split and a salary cap type concept just not going to happen they're not going to do it that's how they struck in 1994 it's a non-starter but the owners are using not operating necessarily in good faith because they're using this pandemic to try to kind of reach. Because you got to remember, they have another collective bargaining agreement renegotiation, I believe, in 2021. So they're kind of using this as a prelude to institute long, longer term change in baseball, which is not good faith. But at the same time, is it completely good faith for the player side of it to just be like, no, we agreed to this March 26th. That's what it is. Even with this language in there, probably not. So it doesn't feel like good faith negotiations. But at, still, at the end of the day, I think there's too much at stake uh, for them to not play. I think it's going to get done, but it just doesn't feel like there's good faith negotiations going on right now. At least it doesn't yeah. sound like it. And I, I, I've seen a few people suggest that the players have the, the leverage, and I just disagree with that completely. No, yeah, the because, owners do because the owners the owners are going to operate at a loss anyway, and so the owners would like it would not crush the owners to have no games this this season. No, Wouldn't crush you, them at all. You can on one hand say, "Oh, you're siding with billionaire owners; they can afford it," and also say the players have all the leverage. Well, th those two things uh, they're mutually exclusive. Uh, the billionaire owners um, they can afford this. Some of the players, what is it, a third of the league uh, cannot. They have to get a deal done. So if they don't, it's detrimental to a lot of the players in the league, like in the short term, but it's detrimental to the, the players in the league long term. But the billionaire owners who have investments all over the world and billions of dollars, if they lose baseball's popularity, they don't get sunk at all. They, they may, I mean, yeah, they don't like losing money, but they're far more uh, capable and able to take the losses that would come with this than the players are. So the players, they have some leverage, but the, the brunt Not of it really. lies owners with the owners. Trump card. Yeah, the owners have the trump card. 
the owners that the owners there would not be a huge pushback amongst owners if the season did not happen. Just wouldn't happen. They're operating a loss as is. And I'm, like, they've, I'm sure they've got some insurance policies and shit too, don't they? And they they don't have to pay the players anything, right? I know that that's the if case in the no NBA. Season they have to. There's 170 million dollars to be split. But like that sounds nice in a press release, but 170 million dollars to be split amongst Major League Baseball players is absolutely nothing. Like that's a minuscule number. That's what half of the Yankees' payroll. Yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't begin to do the math on like how many players and like what the split is, but it's it's nothing. So how like, many teams they are in the league? How many teams are in the league? Thirty, twenty-five a roster, but then you've also like I don't know what it, that looks like in terms of forty-man rosters and Let's all just that. Do 40. 30 times forty, so that's twelve hundred players on the forty-man rosters in Major League Baseball. So you said one hundred seventy-five million divided by twelve hundred. It's one hundred forty-five thousand a player. Yeah, I mean nothing. Like it's, I guess it's not technically nothing, but it, it's it nothing for of, them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean they the the players stand more to lose here, and they're going to bear the the brunt of the blame if there is no season. So I just find this whole thing fascinating because there's really not a wrong side here. Like, like there is a faction. There's a faction of players, and there's a faction of owners that don't want to do the season. That's a smaller one. There's a middle ground between players and owners where they're just not sure. And then the largest group is there's a group of owners and there's a large group of players that want to play. And just how this plays out and do they blow this or do they get this done is going to be fascinating because it's going to change baseball for forever. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't happen because, man, already – and you can – not you. You don't often except for Cowherd. I don't think you like him very much, but – it, like national radio shows and, and stuff like that, I consume on a regular basis. And when it's World Series week, it's not the lead story. It, World Series week is not the lead story most of the time no, that's on national part of what platforms. They, that's part of what they talked about on this podcast is, is like if you talk about World Series storylines that last half decade, baseball has had insane ones. Like, not just the Astros thing, the Dodgers failures the last couple years. Hell, the 2016 World Series Game 7 that for some reason doesn't get talked about like other historic baseball games. The two longest World Series droughts in the, hist- in, in, in the history of baseball in a Game 7 that had a rain delay with both teams scoring in the 10th. Like, or ninth or whatever. Are you kidding me? Like the storylines they've had the last half decade have been insane world series wise. You couldn't script them better. And to your point yet, they're still not mainstream like all the time. They're not the main talking point because it's during football season as well. But like Cowherd's not talking world series, no matter what. Oh man, Jerry Sloan passed away. Sorry. that I just, I, I had a word vomit. I, that's not what we're talking about at all. Uh, but Jerry uh, Sloan sucks. passed away. Damn. Oh man. 78 years old. Anyway, sorry. That that was I, I that just it got, came out of my mouth. It shouldn't have, but I mean, he was his last coaching year was 2011 this says, but I mean, he's a staple uh, in the NBA and passed away. But yeah, so they they've had Sorry about that. No, <laughs> good. I just that you you could not have possibly drawn up better World Series storylines last half decade and it still just hasn't really made a memorable blip on terms of just, you know, national radio conversation, national media conversation. Like baseball's still just very very niche in that regard and like could that change this year? Sure, if you're the only show in town. I don't know. There's just a lot at stake and they need to figure it out and play. And 
you know, someone's going to end up getting screwed here and it's probably going to be the players, but it just kind of needs to happen. It does. And I hope it does. I mean, they'd gain a fan in me for whatever that's worth. Uh, if they came back this summer, I would, I, man, I would have games on every single day. We'd be sitting here right now and the TV behind me would have a baseball. Well, it's nine o'clock in the morning. So when I'm working in my home office before the show, I would have a baseball game on every single day. Yeah, and they've only got a week or so, or two weeks or so, to really kind of figure this out and get started. So it's going to be fascinating to follow. We got one more mailbag question submitted late before we get out of here. What is more likely for uh, Ole Miss to make it to the Sweet 16 in hoops or win 10 regular season football games? Uh, I'm going to say Sweet 16 in hoops. I don't think this team is a Sweet 16 team, but that is way less far-fetched in my mind than Lane Kiffin going 10-2 and in his first season. You've only got to win two games to make the Sweet 16. I mean... It, that it's possible they get a good draw or whatever and, and do that. Yeah, I, I'm going to spend, I said this before on this podcast, I'm going to spend this offseason trying to ease people into the possibility that the teams here in Mississippi are not very good this year. You have, I understand why, you have a ton of optimism around here. I get it, I really do, and it's trying to be destroyed because people are stupid, but the, the, there's positive vibes around football in this state right now because... For for all of his flaws, Mike Leach is clearly a very, 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 very good football coach who's won a lot of games at places where you don't win games. I mean, have you ever been to Lubbock, Texas? It's a shithole. I, I cannot stay. The Panhandle of Texas is the worst region of the country I've ever been to. It's awful there. And then Pullman, Washington, I mean, nobody's won there. And, and he did. So he's a very good football coach. I think Lane Kiffin's a very good football coach. And both of them... I think, have a chance at winning games here. I also think there's a great chance that neither of them do in year one. Mike Leach is inheriting a roster that has lost a ton on defense. They're going to be really young on defense, and they're running a new system that you don't really see in college football much, and that offense doesn't set up well for having a good de- – it's just there are so many factors. that They don't have a wide receiver that's good at catching the football. They have a transfer quarterback that hasn't even – uh, like worked out with his team at all. You've got the coronavirus, all this stuff. There's a, a better chance that they go four and eight than eight and four to me. And I think the same thing exists in Oxford. You've got a young football team. You don't know what to do at quarterback. You haven't really been able to work out your quarterbacks at all. He doesn't know what he has. Lost some pieces on defense. A new staff, new everything. I think there's a better chance that they lose eight games, then win eight games in year one. Doesn't mean he's not a great hire. Doesn't mean he won't win a bunch of games at Ole Miss if he sticks around. But there's a better chance to me that both teams are not good than both teams are winning eight or nine games, like some people around here think they are. And I'm going to spend the entire offseason just easing, easing people into the idea that you may not have a great football team this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, uh, I think it's way, the Sweet 16 is way more likely. I don't think both either, I mean, excuse me, I don't think either one are particularly likely, but I mean, Kermit's got a pretty good group. You have a good season, you get a good draw, you win two games, you make it to the second weekend. Like, not, not, I mean, that, it sounds like it's minimizing it, that it's easy to do. It's not, it's just way more realistic than winning 10 football games. But, uh, we got to get out of here. I appreciate everyone joining us for another Mailbag Friday. Remind you one more time, I'm about to head there uh, here in just like, 45 minutes or so. I'm going to go check out LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. 
Get some stuff to throw on the grill this weekend. No better place to do it than LB's. Enjoy Memorial Day weekend with a delicious steak, sausages, all kinds of stuff. Greg's got grill packs, Lane Train special, Keith Carter special. Check out his Twitter at LB's underscore meats. I promise you, you'll want to get, you'll look at it, get hungry, and want to jump in the car and go check him out. Go check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. I told Greg we were going to jump on. I, I texted him last night. And I said, I'm going to come by. Uh, do you want to hop on the pod next week? And blindly uh, throw out some wagers on the UFC card. That's only that's the only thing to gamble on. And he said, "Sure." There's also horse racing. So I was like, "Yeah, whatever. We'll cover it all on here." <laughs> so Greg has not not missed a beat. So I think I'm going to have him on next week. But go check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Appreciate Greg. Been great to the show. Um, and we'll have him on next week. Borky will be on radio today. Sports Talk Mississippi, three to six p.m. Uh, we are. I am off. The whole show is off on Monday. We may bring you a Tuesday pod. I don't know. Depends on if something happens over the weekend. But do not be surprised. We may just roll into next week with just two shows and a Wednesday podcast. So stay tuned on that, but no Monday podcast. <coughs> oh, God. I just sneezed and coughed at the same time. I don't know nice. what that's a sign of. Woo. Uh, anyway. So, <laughs> strong way to end the show. But I hope everyone has a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. And we'll be back at it sometime next week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.